So we're going to start a new series today. It's about community, and it's going to be kind of an intro to that. So hopefully not too painful, but community, living in it, living in community. Uh, what, what does that mean? To live in community is what we're going to dig into. So begin thinking about that, like this idea of living uh, together as God's people, right? In community, like the, the way God has intended us to be, right? He created us in community. He, commu- he created us to be together, together with him, and to live on this earth with him to enjoy all that he has for us, but to enjoy all that he's created and other people that he's created. And that's how, like, this whole thing uh, started with two, right? And now, like, there's billions. And uh, Trish and I got married, you know, 36 years ago, and now there's 20 of us. It's, like, insane. Well, 20, okay. That's what grandma, we didn't have grandma and grandpa. Don't get me wrong. There's a bunch of us, though. It's just multiplied, and it's awesome. It's so cool. But that's God's, that's how he intended it to be, right? For us not to be alone, for us to have people in our life that we can share with. And there's really two passages of Scripture we're going to look at today that are going to be like the focus of the whole series, right? Because they kind of hit on two sides of this coin of what community is all about. And so first of all, living in community is, first of all, it's about the community of believers. That's where it begins. It's, It's God's people who live together and share life together and live in community. And so our first passage is in Psalm 133. If you got your Bibles... Flip there to Psalm 133. It'll be on your screen if you don't have it. But, but it's good if you look at it and circle things and underline things and highlight things and, and let God speak to you in his word. Psalm 133. It's a great passage. You ready? Here's what it says. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Not you, Aaron. You do that, though, don't you? Wax, maybe? Or oil? Both? Okay, good. I wouldn't know. Both, David? (laughs) Okay, whatever. On Aaron's beard, down on the collar on his robe. Just running down. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So living in Christian community is about, it's about unity, right? It's about oneness. It's about God's people living together, right? And he says, he says, if you look at verse 3, or verse 1, he says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So think up for a minute with me. Things that are good Good and pleasant. Things in life that are good and pleasant, right? Like, like mom's cooking, right? That's good and pleasant, right? My mom died 22 years ago today. But her cooking was amazing. Amazing. Right? There's a lot of things on earth that are good and pleasant, right? Like vacations, like just getting away to the beach or to the mountains. Holding your grandkids. 
And, and there, are, there are a lot of things that are good and pleasant, and there are many ways that we can please God, right? There's lots of things that the scriptures teach us about how we can honor God or please God with the way we live. But God says this, let me tell you what, good, what is good and pleasant. That's what God says. It's when my people live together in unity. That's what God says is good and pleasant. Everything else is okay, but God's definition of good and pleasant is when his people, my people, live together in unity. Living together in unity puts a smile on God's face, right? When, when God's people, that's us, right? Those of us who are here that claim that Jesus is our Lord, when we live together in unity, like, and we know unity means more than just, you know, showing up together once, um, once a week. That's not really unity. That's like going to an event. Okay, you can do that anywhere. Unity means that we're living together, working together, serving together. Unity, right? That we know each other and we can get over the things we don't all agree on, but we still have this love and unity and we live together and we share life together and we're united in purpose and we're united in mission. See, that's what is pleasing and pleasant and good to God. When his people live together in unity, right, through the thick and the thin, through whatever's going on, it's, it's, it's God's people sticking in there and working together and everyone pitching in, doing their part. I mean, think about that. That's what God looks down on the earth and that's what pleases him when there's a group of people who are like working, like working ants, all just doing their thing, right? We're just, we're just, we're just going at it. Right? Everybody's doing their part. Everybody's, everybody understands how God has blessed them, how God has gifted them, and you're putting your gift to work. That's good and, pl- and pleasant to the Lord. And we're working together to do that, right? That's what, that's what God is all about. He's all about this Christian community is children, right? Us growing and sharing and caring and serving together as one family. And then the psalmist, he says a couple things in here about this. And he gives two pictures. And the first one he says is, it's like this, this, this good and pleasant God's people living together in unity is like, he says, precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, Aaron's beard, like poured on his head, just flowing over him, down his garments, down his collar, and that seems like a little odd. Oh, I read it and you go, okay, that's weird. But think about it, oil is, in the scriptures we see oil used a lot. Terms used a lot. And it has a lot to do with, uh, here he says, a precious oil, right, an expensive oil. An oil that's made up of a lot of different ingredients, and so there's an aroma to this oil, and it's an inviting oil. Like, like I remember growing up in um, Clarence, New York, and my, um, my, my best friend, George Adrian, uh, his, his parents, every time he went to his house, his mother always had something like incense burning. So it had a distinct smell when you walked into the house. It was like you walk in, and it was like, there's that smell. And it was good. It was like, awesome. I just want to stay in here for a while. You know, it's, it's this inviting, good-smelling oil, 
this, this amazing oil, this precious oil, and it's poured on his head, right? It's, it's, it's the good stuff, and it's like this anointing that is being poured out on Aaron's head, and it's an inviting fragrance. And the Old Testament, it's kind of this picture of the Old Testament, right? Aaron, the high priest, like having oil poured on him as he's like wearing the breastplate, and on the breastplate are what? The 12 tribes, right? And so this oil is just running down him, covering God's people. Just covering the breastplate of the 12 tribes of each one of those, all representing groups of people as they're being like covered in God's grace, just poured out over all of them. That's what, that's what, that's the picture that comes to mind of the psalmist when he says, you know, how good and pleasant it is for God's people to live together. It's like the oil of God just being poured out on all of them, just anointing the whole body. How awesome is that? And then he says, the second thing, he says, this unity is like the dew of Hermon, right? Falling on Mount Zion. Right? We're, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion, right? What Aaron is to Israel, Mount, Z- Mount Hermon is to uh, the promised land, right? So that, that promised land of that fertile soil where God's people were, were going with Moses leading the way as they went to the promised land, right? That's a representation of this fertile land. Not rocky soil, not thorny soil, but good soil to produce lots of good crop. And, and like this oil or, or like this dew just watering it covering it like watering it and and making it fertile that's good and pleasant to god when his people dwell together like that that's just an incredible picture isn't it right and so the community the community he's talking about is about us it's about the church right covered in his in god's grace anointed by grace united by him and sharing our lives together. I mean, that's what's important to God, that his people live together, share life together in unity. That's a pretty cool picture, isn't it? The second thing is this. Uh, if, if first, the, the community is about God's people. Secondly, the community that we're talking about in an overarching way is about doors and windows. Doors and windows, okay? So what do, what do doors and windows do? They let things in, right? They let things in. Doors and windows let things in. Sunshine, air, people, right? That's what they do. That's what doors and windows do. They're entry points for others to come in, right? This this community of God is not about a clique. It's not about us blocking people out. It's about us, the people of God, letting the world in, letting people come in bringing the community that's out there into the community of God in here, right? That's what it's about. And yeah, there's things that need to stay out and there's sin and there's attitudes that need to be blocked out. But making a way for others to come in, right, is true community. That's the true community of God, right? That we are letting people come in and be a part of what God is doing. People are lost, right? And they're hurting and they're blinded and they're broken. And as God's people, we're called to be bridge builders, to let people come in and find God, right? To find his grace, to find out what what Jesus has done for me, he has done for you, right? Right? I came in, 
because somebody opened a door and let me in and brought me in and made it easy for me to get in. But it was ultimately Jesus who invites us in. And, and what Jesus has done for me, I must do for others. And so must you. Or we're not being the community of God if we don't. Right? We're not representing Christ at all. He came from heaven to earth to invite me into his community and to invite you into his community. And he calls us to go and do the same, right? At the end of Jesus' ministry, he prays, right? Lots of times Jesus prays, but in, in this one particular place, he, he prays and it's recorded in scripture. And he prays that his father would be glorified through him, through the son, right? And then he prays that the disciples you know, for his disciples that he has called and handed the baton to that he would soon leave the mission with, right? And he prays for their protection. And then he prays for us, for all that, all of us that as believers, right? And in John 17, uh, verse 20, the passage will be here. My prayer, Jesus says, and and we're going to just look at this for a second and we're going to be about done here. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus says. Okay, just really think about what he says here. This is Jesus praying to his father, and he says, My prayer is not for them alone, the the apostles or the disciples and those who are believing now, but he says, I pray also, and look at the words, for those who will believe in me through their message. Verse 21, That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? This is is Jesus praying for his community that they would be bridge builders to the outside community. Right, to, the, to the outside, that they would open doors and windows for others to come in. And he prays for those who will believe. In other words, Jesus already knows some will believe because of the message. As it goes forward, people are going to believe. And so his intention and his plan is that others hear, others believe, and others come in. And we're the ones who have to make sure that happens, right? We're the ones who are responsible to make sure that there are doors and windows available for people to come in as we go out and share the good news. And he prays for unity, that we would be one, all of us, the same way that he and the Father are one. And that's perfect unity, right? You think about the Trinity, you think about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect unity, complete harmony. And he says, I pray that my people will be one just like we're one, like in the same way. And then he prays, may they, the church, us, believers, be in us, Be in us, the Father and the Son. May they be in us like Jesus draws us in. He brings us into him, into his presence, into his community, right? Community with God. That's what he invites you into. I mean, how? I'm not worthy of that, right? I'm not. Neither are you. None of us are. And yet Jesus says, I still, even though you're not, I want you to come into my community with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, but, but you got to go and let others in. 
That's how this works. This is how my kingdom operates. And he says, he prays that we would be one just like he is in one. And the last uh, statement on that is this. So that, and there's a reason for it all. There's a reason for the unity. There's a reason for all this. And that is that the world, the world that is lost out there may believe that you sent me. It doesn't end with us. It just is beginning with us. It ends out there in, in the world where lost people need to find Jesus, right? That's where it ends, and that's where we must go. God is concerned about community. First, the people of God living in community, right? In the Old Testament, it was his chosen people, right? His covenant kids that he opened up the door, that he preserved through all of time and amongst all the groups of people in the world. Then in Jesus in the New Testament, it's his children made up of people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every color, every ethnicity, right? The people of God, lost souls, you and me, who have responded to Jesus and been washed in his blood. We make up his community. He certainly loves the community of believers. He's coming back for us, right? He's coming to, again to, 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 to take us home. But he is also very, very, very concerned about the community around us, as we should be. As much concerned about it as he is, right? That they would come to believe and find salvation. Because why? Because... God has rescued us. He sent his son to rescue us, but also that they would see our love. They would see our unity. They would see our care. They would see us concerned. They would see in us truth and light and life and faith expressed in love. And they would see real disciples in action, not people who just talk about it. Right? They would see us living the life of Jesus in the world around them who are engaged in God and what God is doing among his people, right? Committed to what the Lord is doing right here, all of us doing our part, all of us serving the Lord together as a community, but also engaged in reaching the lost world. You know, we all, we all know the, the most famous verse in the world. We see it at football games, basketball games. You see people holding poster boards. What is the verse? John three sixteen, right? God loves the world so much. God loves the world, people, lost souls. As he's in heaven looking down on a lost world, he loves the world so much that he sends his only son to a lost community. Creator God sends his son. He comes to us. God comes to us. Right, that whoever among that dark world would believe, right, would not perish, but have eternal life. And God went a long way for you. He's done a lot for me and you. We all know the verse. Maybe it's time we start living it a little more, you know, and start actually doing what God has done for you and for me. And that is going out to a world that's lost. And sharing the Lord with them. Caring enough to go. Caring enough to do something. See, if we're going to care about what God cares about, then we ought to start with these two things. And that is the the Christian community, right? United, growing together, committed to the work together. And number two, a community of lost souls all around us. Trail one, trail two, trail three, trail four. Your neighborhood, your coworkers people we live around, right? 
See, we need to be a community, and we need to be in the community. That's where God wants us, to be his people, and to be his people among the world that is lost and dying, right? Right? The key to this whole thing is this word engaged. It's engaged. To be engaged to something is to be like united to it, right? It's to be like committed to it, like engaged in it, not just hang around it, not just look in from the outside, not just show up every once in a while, but engaged in what is going on and be a part of making things happen. And the key is engaged in God and what God is doing among his own people and engaged with what God is doing in the world and the community around us. And so maybe, maybe this morning you're here and you're not a part of God's community. You, you're here and, and you've heard about God, but you've never committed your life to being a part of God's community. And I invite you to talk about that. I invite you to come and find me. I'll be up here at the end of this. If you want to find somebody to talk to, come up here and talk to me. But God calls us to respond to him. That's how we come into the community. We respond. We, we believe that he is the son of God. We confess him as Lord. We repent of the way we live and turn to him. And we let him wash us in baptism as we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus all over us. As we respond to God for what he's done for us. We respond in the way that he has called us to respond. Not our, we don't get to make it up. We do what he called us to do.